morning. Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus again this morning. Thank you to all who shared in the service today so far. Appreciate it. Uh, devotional children's lesson and uh, things that were shared in the open mic time every every little piece is important every little uh, inspiration is a blessing and thank you for that you know Corinthians I believe it's Corinthians there Paul actually mentions that you all have a a revelation a psalm uh, I forget all the words he uses there but uh, he invites invites us all to participate in in a service so thank you <clears throat> You can turn in the book of first to the book of first John again this morning. And like to also welcome all of you. Uh, those of you who are here as guests in the area for the grand occasion of a wedding yesterday, we welcome you in uh, worshiping with us today. We've been I've been I've been teaching through the book of First John and uh, we are at chapter two. Today's text is verse twelve to fourteen. Maybe we'll read that and then uh, have a brief uh, time of prayer. Let's uh, begin in First John chapter two, verse twelve. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. If you're able, uh, maybe we could stand together and uh, have a brief time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we... We come in Jesus' name again this morning. Thank you for the open avenue of prayer that we can reach out to you. We can make our requests known with thanksgiving. Today again, we do have one request specifically, Father, and that is that something could be given in this service that would be edifying to each individual. That one little piece, perhaps, one little comment, one little truth, one little inspiration could be here and offered 
that could bless and minister to every heart in this room. We ask for that, Lord, and believe that's your will, that we all together in our journey through this life, knowing we have no continuing city here, but we seek one to come, knowing that this life is uh, a preparation for eternal life. And Father, I pray that all of us here today could receive some inspiration in the journey. Draw us closer to you. Father, help us to ever grow in our relationship with you, to grow closer to you, to, uh, to fear you more perfectly in our hearts, in our lives, to walk in your ways more completely, to do your will, your commandments that you have for us in this uh, day that we live in. Father, thank you. Thank you for each one present. Thank you for any who perhaps had a desire to be here but are not able and ask a blessing upon them as well. And thank you, Father, for the freedom we have in our country to gather, to preach the word of Christ, to edify one another, to speak of the things of the Lord and to not be hindered in it. Thank you. Father, again, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in our lives in this service, even as it is done in heaven. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, so the book of First John, chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. I've titled the message today, Knowing the Lord. Um, I grappled a little bit to know how to title today's message, and I guess we'll see if it fits till we get to the end. Um, so this text, uh, John, in writing, obviously as we read it here, you you notice he he has these few comments kind of tucked in here. He repeats himself a few times on several of those comments. And uh, and he addresses little children, he addresses fathers, and he addresses young men. And I'm not totally sure why he uses those different uh, terminologies, uh, fathers, uh, little children, fathers, young men. The uh, but one thing, and I'm not going to actually focus on those phrases, uh, those uh, terms of of who he's addressing, uh, much other than here in the beginning, to make the comment that um, I don't believe little children is necessarily speaking of toddlers, <laughs> or even uh, even uh, perhaps uh, ten or twelve year olds. Uh, because the term actually shows up quite a few times in the book of First John. He uses that statement, little children, nine times in this book of First John. Uh, 
And maybe we could even just look at a few of those in in chapter 2. Very first verse, he starts it off by, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. Of course, we have verse 12 and verse 13, where he uses that phrase, little children. We go down to verse 18. He says, little children, it is the last times. Uh, Verse 28 of chapter 2, and now, little children, abide in him. Uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. Chapter 3, verse 18. Thank you, brother. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in uh, in uh, tongue, but indeed and in truth. Um, we get down to chapter 4. Ye are of God, little children, and, and have overcome them. I think... I believe there might be one more. Yes, 21, uh, very last uh, verse of chapter 5, end of the book. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Um, I think if we look at all those phrases, we realize that it was a term that probably carried a bit of endearment uh, from the apostle. That's going to be my suggestion. Um, He... uh, He uses it frequently, and it's very obvious by the way he uses it, that he's just simply addressing his listeners. Uh, And uh, seems to be a term that he coined that uh, seems to have been uh, a term of endearment somewhat, that they were perhaps special to him. So, uh, whether it's... uh, Written uh, to little children, to fathers, to young men, I, I think uh, it uh, applies to us all. And Jesus, in fact, uh, when we think about that term, little children, Jesus actually used that in addressing his uh, disciples in John thirteen thirty three, when he says, "Little children, yet a little while I am with you." Um, so Jesus had used that term as well. So, um, yeah, not uh, not planning to spend much time uh, on those terms, little children, fathers, young men, but going on to the things that he talks about in uh, in these uh, comments he makes. So in verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Uh, So that's the first point I'd like to think about a bit this morning. In this scripture, your sins are forgiven you. <clears throat> you know, forgiveness of sin is, an, is a central theme of the gospel. And it is a very important theme of the scriptures. Um, forgiveness of sins. In Luke, and I'll invite you to turn there where Jesus kind of uh, gives his last words to his disciples before ascending at the very end of the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 45 to 47. Jesus says to his disciples, it says here, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, 
and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So, Jesus, in kind of giving the final capstone to uh, his time on earth and his final words to his disciples, says that one of he, he's, uh, the, the, his purpose is kind of encapsulated in this, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Beginning at Jerusalem, uh, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, so, re- uh, forgiveness of sins is a, um, a very uh, central theme of the gospel. Peter, when he was uh, preaching in Acts 10, and I'll just invite you to turn there as well. He's uh, preaching... Acts 10:42 and 43 he's at Cornelius's household and uh offering the preaching uh, the gospel to the Gentiles and we'll uh, read verse 42 and 43 and he and this is just breaking into what uh Peter is saying uh to his listeners he says and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. And to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should receive remission, remissions, remission of sins. So there we have, uh, uh, as Peter is giving, uh, and basically, uh, Peter is actually somewhat quoting what Jesus, what we looked at in Luke there, that uh, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him, in Jesus, shall receive remission of sins. And just a, a couple of chapters further in chapter 13 of Acts, uh, verse 38 and 39 we have Paul saying uh, almost the same thing as well, 38 and 39. And again, just breaking into a, a sermon that Paul is preaching. He says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye cannot be justified by the law of Moses. And so uh, Paul, in his message, uh, says the same thing. Uh, be it known unto you, therefore, through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Just quoting Colossians 1, 13 and 14, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And Ephesians, 
1 verse 7, same, same general message, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So, we've looked at uh, quite a few verses that speak of the subject of forgiveness of sins and... Uh, And we have to conclude that uh, it is an important subject of the scriptures. And uh, going back now again to First John. As John says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Forgiveness of sin is an important truth about the Christian life. That through repentance, as we read, through repentance, we can obtain forgiveness. So, it's, it's uh, like uh, you, can, you can get a fresh, clean sheet to start again, you know. Uh, and it's not just, you know, praise God for the fact that uh, before we were a believer and we lived our lives to ourselves and to the lusts of the flesh and and all those sins we committed, and we came to an understanding of our sin, and we repented, and we believed and trusted Christ for salvation, and we get a brand new, fresh sheet to start all over. The guilt and the weight of those past sins are all removed and taken away. And that is a that is a blessing. That is a that is a, a part of the central theme of the gospel. There's no other uh, religions, faith uh, that people believe in that can offer that kind of a a blessing, that kind of a reality that you can actually uh, just have all those sins removed and forgiven and cleansed and washed away. And start life with a brand new fresh sheet. And it doesn't end there. Now, I'm not going to uh, take uh, all the time to look at the scriptures that would relate to this. But they're just a bit earlier in First John there. That as he is writing to his listeners, he says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So, as a believer, if, if we... Uh, recognize and and realize, you know what, here is something that I did that was wrong. It wasn't right. It was sin. And so here I got this black blot in my uh, life and experience again, and and, uh, and my clean sheet is is marred. And he says that uh, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, and we can have it removed again. Uh, The blessing of forgiveness of sins. Uh, it is it is a central theme of the gospel, and it's something that uh, it's important for us to to have that assurance uh, that our sins are forgiven, that uh, the, that uh, that our slate uh, has been cleared, and uh, as we go through life, if we if we sin, that we um, we reckon with it, we face it, we deal with it according to the scriptures, and we keep that slate clean. Uh, we keep that slate clear. Uh, it's a, it's an, and that we have the assurance that our slate is clear. It's, it's an important aspect 
of a successful Christian life. And as this verse says, it's not, uh, he says there in 1 John uh, 2 verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You know, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not because you or I are someone special that he forgives us our sins. It's for his name's sake. Uh, there's no merits uh, or, or uh, anything that we have done to merit the blessing of forgiveness. But it's for his name's sake. It's because of God and who he is. Um, the, the, some of those verses that we looked at, uh, for example, there in, uh, in Ephesians, uh, uh, it says in verse, uh, one, in chapter one, verse seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Uh, these, these things are, uh, this privilege is available to us not based on any of our own merits, but because of his grace and his mercy. So your sins are forgiven you. The first point for us to consider today and to realize and appreciate, your sins are forgiven you. That is the will of God. It is the will of God that your sins are forgiven you. Um, God delights in forgiving your sins. He has made the provision and went to great lengths to make the provision for you to have the forgiveness of sins and to be able to live and to be able to go on in life with that blessed assurance, that blessed peace, that blessed confidence that my sins have been washed in the blood of Christ. And I've I'm, I'm, uh, uh, got a new life to live for Him. So, that's the first point to consider. Um, and then we go on in this scripture. And like I said, some of these phrases are repeated uh, several times. He um, talks about overcoming. Well, no, first in verse 13, he says, I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. The word known shows up three times in this text. Uh, you have known him that is from the beginning. Uh, the end of verse 13, I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the father. And again, in verse 14, he repeats it word for word what he had at the beginning of verse 13. I've written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the fact of uh, ye have known him uh, and, and thus maybe the title knowing God. You know, we taught we, we discussed a bit the subject of our sins being forgiven. And it was sin that separated Adam and Eve from that open fellowship with God. And it's sin that separates any of us from that open fellowship with God, in other words, keeps us from knowing God. And we might describe that word knowing a little bit more as we go. Uh, I think most of us probably have some idea what the word knowing... Well, let's, let's talk about it now. That word know 
Um, I write unto you, fathers, because I have, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. There is a, quite a difference. Uh, the word know, okay? So, um, this morning, there is some guests among us. And there's a few of them that I absolutely know nothing about. There's a few that I know who they are. I know their names pretty well. But I don't really, I don't know them. Not the way this word is talking about. Some of you who are here every Sunday, I know better. I know a bit more deeply. Those of you who live in my household every day, now I'm getting those I know actually quite a lot more. And then there's my wife, her. I know her quite a bit. But you know what? There's even more I can learn about her. But talking a little bit about the word knowing. This word, this knowing God, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, they um, they know I think I think it's safe to say they know that there's a God, but they don't know God. They don't know him personally. This word and, and, and the way John uses it here and the way the scriptures use it is 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 intimate. And we'll we'll uh, we'll try to define that a bit more as we go. So when we. Uh, we talked about our sins uh, were that uh, were the thing that separated us from God. And so if we can have, if our sins are forgiven, then we are on a good platform to know God, to get to know God, to have this, this knowledge or this uh, work, yeah, working knowledge of God. Um, this word know is actually used very frequently in the book of 1 John. Now, it doesn't, it's not always used in the, in the context of knowing God. So, it, it has some other meanings as well. And maybe I should have sorted it out for just that context. But the word know is used 27 times in 22 verses of, in the book of 1 John. So, it's, it's a very uh, frequently used word. Uh, for, uh, John, uh, Jesus in John 17:3 says, "And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent." So Jesus gives the definition of life eternal, and that, and I'm not going to take the time to write it all out, but, uh, but think about it. That's, that's uh, exactly what Jesus is doing here. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. The word know, looking now at definitions, signifies to be taking in knowledge, to come to know, to recognize, to understand, or understand completely. Uh, kind of a progression there. So, knowing God is a present, continuous experience for the Christian. It's not something that we suddenly, we have it. 
Yes, we have a measure of it uh, from the moment that our sins are forgiven and we have a clear heaven over our lives. We have uh, a new relationship with God, but it is a it is uh, that is only the beginning. Knowing God is a daily living exercise. The um, the Hebrew writer says this, and in, uh, in Hebrews twelve eleven he says, "No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby." You know, when we think about knowing God and the daily um, the daily reality of of growing in that knowledge of God, there's uh, life in its many different facets, um, every one of those different facets has a different dimension of getting to know God. And the Hebrew writer here speaks of chastening and, and, uh, and uh, says that no chastening seems to be joyous at the time, but rather it feels grievous, you know. <laughs> but then afterwards, after we get through it, after we allow our hearts to be exercised by it, after we see God working in it and begin to understand what God is doing and see God doing things in our hearts that probably otherwise wouldn't have been done, then our hearts can begin to rejoice in it, perhaps. Uh, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And as we experience God's care for us in the many varied circumstances of life, we learn to know Him. We learn to know Him. Remember that word, know. We learn to know who He is. Uh, maybe just interject here. Uh, I was actually in, just finished up uh, the book of uh, Job this morning. At the end of the book of Job, Job makes a comment about how he had heard of God and he says now I have seen in other words there was a deepening of Job's knowledge and understanding of God of knowing God and that's what we're talking about you know as we go through life uh, we that knowing God should deepen that working knowledge of God should deepen in our experience by the many varied um, things that life brings our way. Now, as we think about knowing God, you know, this, uh, this uh, uh, John here, he says, you have known him that is from the beginning. He says, uh, because you have known the Father, because you have known him. Um, you know, knowing God is is something that is Perceived in our spirit. You know, you, you, uh, it's not, it's not something that is tangible and you can reach out and grab it with your hands. You know, your, your knowledge of God. And it's, it's something that is perceived in our spirit. And one of the things about that is, um, There is the the potential 
the possibility, the danger of us actually perceiving something incorrectly. That danger actually exists. Think about it in a human perspective. You know, sometimes we might feel like we know and understand a fellow human being only to later realize that what we perceived was very limited and not very accurate. That actually happens in life. But at one point, we perceived that we had a good understanding on whatever uh, was to be understood. But later, when we uh, gained more knowledge, more input, whatever, suddenly we realized that that earlier perception was pretty skewed. You know, it's because we as individuals, as human beings, perceive our, our relationship with God is perceived in our spirit. There is that danger of perceiving it incorrectly. Think about those folks, and maybe I'll just turn there in Matthew Uh, Chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon of the Mount. Chapter 7, verse 21. I'll just read a couple verses here. might help us understand this. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto Say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils. In thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In their, uh, in their perception, they perceived that they were in a working, uh, knowledgeable, uh, right relationship with God. That is what they perceived. However, when they got to the end of the race, they suddenly discovered that they had perceived something inaccurately. And that's uh, that's the thing that uh, uh, when we think about the book of 1 John, John uh, addresses that uh, very, very clearly. Uh, And that's Uh, We won't be able to look at all those point by point uh, because it's throughout the whole book here in 1 John. But uh, John gives us hard, fast facts to help us discern if we are perceiving our relationship with God correctly. Let's read 1 John 2, verse, verse 3 to 5. 1 John 2 to 3 to 5 is one of these little... Uh, prof- uh, clear uh, truths that John gives us. And hereby do we know that we know him. Okay, so he's, he's wanting to help make sure that we understand uh, or that we can test our perception of knowing God. Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected, and hereby know we that we are in him. So that is just a couple of small verses that John 
puts out there before us to test our perception of our knowing God. Do we know him? If we claim to know him, what does the fruit look like that is coming out of this relationship with God is basically what he's driving at and drives at that a number of times. So he's saying that, uh, so here is God and here are you and I and uh, we are saying that we have a knowledge of God. We know God. There is Okay, so John puts out a number of, and we just read one of them there, but he puts out a number of uh, tests to determine uh, whether our perception is accurate. And we can, we can know. You know, this, this is not intended to uh, leave us in a place of unsettledness in our relationship with God. Not at all. It's not intended to leave us in a place of of insecurity and not sure if we quiet measure up and and all those kind of things. It's it's rather in, it's intended for two things. The, the the book of First John is intended for two things. It's intended to increase the security of the individual who is in fact seeing he he is in fact walking with God and the fruit that uh, uh, the, those various tests that John indicates in the book, that those things are present in your life. To perfection, probably not, but they're there. And, and you pursue those realities in your experience. And so uh, it's intended to bring uh, actually a greater uh, depth of confidence and assurance to your experience. On the one hand. On the other hand, if those things are just totally missing uh, and you uh, couldn't care less what the word of God says, uh, much less trying to uh, live in its truths day by day and order your life by it. If that's where you find yourself, well, then that book is intended to be convicting, intended to turn your heart uh, to seek God. And, and uh, so uh, knowing uh, God, knowing him that is from the beginning. And that is, that is the, the heart of God. God does want us to know him. God does not uh, somehow um, put himself in a hard to reach place or uh, difficult to get to. Uh, he doesn't do that at all. And he does not make himself hard to uh, access. He wants us to know him, to have a working day in and day out knowledge of him in our heart and experience. In 1 John 3, maybe I'll just read a couple verses here in 1 John 3, 18, beginning of verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And there, 
maybe we can just reflect on verse 18 a little bit. He's he's saying to us, okay, uh, you are uh, perceiving that you have a, you know God. You have a clear, a clear and open relationship with God. You are walking in the spirit of God. Okay, so if that's the case, then... You shouldn't, your, your reality should not be just loving in word. In other words, just saying things. It should be an actual outworking of your life. Your actions should reflect it, is what he's saying in this verse. And because of that, you can uh, be assured that because those things are actually working out in your everyday life, you can be assured of the truth, as he says it here. Uh, we... Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And that uh, that can be, uh, that those verses there have to be, I'm going to say, have to be understood correctly because I believe those folks that we talked about there in Matthew didn't seem to be, be in a place of uh, their hearts didn't seem to be condemning them, as this scripture says, if our heart condemn us not. And uh, the, I believe the reason for that is, is simply or the, 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 the way to avoid having a false security is to search the scriptures and to know, am I actually living in the reality and do the fruits that uh, of the Spirit come out of my life. If we... Yeah, these verses that we just read, they speak of a confidence and assurance, and on one hand, and also on the other hand, a lack of confidence and assurance. And if we know the Lord... And, are, uh, and have a real living relationship with God, there are, uh, there's an expectation of what the fruit will be that will come out of that. And the scriptures have a lot to say about that. Maybe just one more verse on on knowing him knowing god and and uh, this is first uh, john 5 verse 20 and we know that the son of god is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his son jesus christ this is the true god and eternal life um yeah blessed words so know him are in him, and this is, in fact, the true God and eternal life. So, ye have known him that is from the beginning. And then the next phrase we'd like to look at in, in this uh, text that we read is, ye have overcome the wicked one. So, I, I see a progression here a bit. Um, so, we... we uh, first off, we through repentance, have found forgiveness of our sins. So that's a blessing. 
And as we, after we found forgiveness of sins, we have a clear and open relationship with God and we walk with God through life. And, uh, and, uh, and then we have this uh, thought of overcoming the wicked one. Maybe we could ask a few questions about that. You know, how have we overcome the wicked one? He says here that uh, I've written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have over, ye have overcome the wicked one. How have we overcome the wicked one? Has there been a wicked one to overcome in your life? Do we recognize that there is a wicked one? I don't know if we think about him so much. And I don't think it's that we need to think about him so much. But there's probably times when it's good for us to recognize and think about the fact there is a wicked one. And there is a wicked one who is kind of has his kind of he has his guns on us. And we do well to recognize that there is a wicked one. But John says here, ye are strong and have overcome the wicked one. Let's look at a couple of scriptures uh, beginning in Ephesians 6 verse 10. When we think about uh, being strong and having overcome, Paul writing here says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're thinking about being strong and overcoming the wicked one. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then just a couple pages over in Philippians 4.13. Paul writing says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Uh, Talking about strength and overcoming. And and just across the page, Colossians 1 verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And then one more scripture in 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So as we think about the wicked one, uh, John says uh, to the young men, ye are strong. You know, it does take strength to be an overcomer. It takes strength to uh, face an opposing a foe. An enemy. Uh, And we need to be strong spiritually. 
so that we can overcome. So maybe we could ask the question, how do we maintain our strength? He, John said, ye are strong. Ye are strong. How do we maintain our strength? Well, John kind of gives a secret there, I believe. He says, the word of God abideth in you. Um, ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you. I wonder if that isn't maybe the secret to strength. Remember that psalm, Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So the word of God has something to do with uh, strength, something to do with overcoming, something to do with uh, keeping us. Thinking about the, the first psalm, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river, rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That would appear like an overcomer, wouldn't it? It would appear like one who overcame. What was the secret of his strength? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So the word of God is, uh, is uh, vital in, in maintaining our strength and being an overcomer. Jesus' words in uh, John 15, verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So, again, maybe focusing uh, more specifically there on the word uh, abiding in us. And, and that's what John said here. Ye, uh, the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So the secret to being an overcomer is obviously to maintain our strength and the spiritual strength. And the secret to maintaining our spiritual strength is the Word of God and feeding on it and nurturing our souls and and encouraging our hearts in the Scriptures. You know, Jesus, what did He use when the wicked one tried to overthrow Him? He used the Word of God. So the Word of God is a, is a vital part in uh, in strength in our in our spiritual strength in our in our uh, ability to overcome the wicked one. <clears throat> so knowing God, kind of a progression. Uh, life eternal begins with repentance and forgiveness of sins, and because of that restored relationship, that has come through forgiveness of sins. We begin a lifelong journey of knowing the Lord, a lifelong uh, experience, walk with God. Knowing God and, uh, and being careful to perceive that knowledge correctly based on the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to speak into our hearts if the fruit 
is not accurate if it doesn't uh, reflect what uh, uh, God-likeness as uh, scriptures uh, bear out over and over again. And in that posture, in that place of knowing God and walking with God, overcoming the wicked one and walking in a victorious uh, Christian life. So that's my uh, encouragement for us today to know, to, to, uh, li- to live in that reality and if we are in that reality to be encouraged in it and if we're not in that reality to seek it and to find it because God wants it for us, every one of us. God wants us to have the assurance of forgiveness of sins. He wants us to know Him personally. He wants us to overcome the wicked one. If you're able, kneel with me and uh, we will close with prayer. Heavenly Father, again, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that uh, is our teacher as we study the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for the provisions that are so readily available to us of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, having the forgiveness of sins, having a new opportunity at life, having the Spirit in our hearts to help us, to guide us, having the Word of God readily available to instruct us. Thank you, Lord. Again, we ask a blessing on each one here. We pray that uh, we could all together grow closer to you, grow deeper in our knowledge of you, grow stronger in our faith, in our spiritual vitality, to be an overcomer and to overcome the wicked one and to demonstrate to a lost and dying world the grace of of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you again for each one present. Bless each one. Go with us. Keep us in our journey. And help us to be faithful in all things, Lord. We thank you again in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.